Good morning and welcome to today's episode of Seablue Smart. I'm Helen Brown, co-founder of Seablue Marketing. We're a team of marketing experts who help tech businesses accelerate growth through all sorts of strategic communications programs, account-based marketing and digital. Today, we're talking about what it takes to get your brand noticed, something which we know is top of mind for most CMOs in scaling companies. I'm joined on my virtual sofa today by someone who knows a lot about the subject. Victoria Usher is founder and CEO of Ginger May, an award-winning B2B PR agency. So, Victoria, welcome. Thank you, Helen. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. So, as you've kindly said, I, I, uh, I'm the CEO and founder of the business. Um, I have, um, I, the business is very much founded in data. So I was a data analyst, political advisor and ex-CMO. So I've taken all of those threads together to, to found the business. Um, and we very much come at, um, at all of our PR and communications from a data lens, um, because that's very much, um, as you know, because you're expert in this, you know, very much how CMOs are looking um, at actually getting metrics and getting um, responses back that they can actually, that they can have some more measurability around it. So, so yes, that's my background. Love working in PR. This industry is amazing. It is so liquid. There's so much um, excitement, dynamism, um, and also it's 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 there's so much money in it there's so much investment in it so it's it's really exciting you know coming from a, a I get used to as I say I used to do research you know that that sort of industry is is very stagnant now so I'm really excited to be working um, you know with people like you and other businesses that are doing such tremendous work um, and changing the face of technology tomorrow. Awesome well your face definitely lights up when you talk about <laughs> it you can just see the passion which is great that's what people love. Okay so um Today, we're going to consider what it takes to get to get your brand noticed and from three different angles. So audience, content and leverage, always good to use the power of three to to tell a story. So um, clearly every marketing director needs and wants to understand their audience. Audiences come in many different forms. For, for C Blue, we think about it in terms of the end customer and different people within the buying centre. In your opinion, Victoria, when it comes to what brands need to consider in reference to the press, what is the most important thing? So if I had to actually pin it down to one thing, it is about educating audiences. So um, that gets lost quite a lot when people think they're doing PR. So they think that, um, that because they're employing a PR agency that they can just push their message out to the media um, it couldn't be further from the truth that's why you know people like us are employed because we have that we'll be able to give that counsel um, and the first lesson in that is is educate so be interesting be informative pull your audiences in the way you won't do that is by overselling you know you will know as well you know given um you know your background being too pushy thrusting products down um, the throat of, of your audiences will actually just switch them off. It's not engaging. It's not a very good way of storytelling at all. So thinking what you can teach them, what can they learn? What's going to make them do their jobs better? What are the problems that are keeping them awake at night? How can you think about answering those questions in a really informative, educational, really smart way? Um, so, so 
starting at that point will help to get the right story across. Now, what that's doing is by having that mindset, it's really helping journalists do their job too. So what a journalist absolutely doesn't want is something that's salesy and promotional because quite frankly, they'll get into trouble with their editors because it's so transparent that that is what, you know, either the the Q&A or the interview or the byline or the news check or whatever it is, it's so obvious that that's what it's doing. So that will also help you to make, you know, build great relationships with journalists because you're helping them to investigate the topic. You're helping the publication, the title to actually um, show that it's a um, it's got its finger on the pulse of these new technologies and that it's actually helping its audiences to also learn. Um, if you do want to um, be more promotional, then that really is owned content. So that would be, you know, working, you know, to, to put it on your blog, um, to push it out in, in content, you know, which is, uh, you, you guys do a great job on that, you know, helping the client to actually understand what their own media is, um, or pay to play as an alternative, but certainly not earned, which is where the PR the PR space really does sit. Mm. And it's interesting to think about actually how much opportunity that there is for that within the tech sector, because obviously being tech, it's innovation, there's loads of new stuff coming through and people are uh, genuinely have a fantastic story to tell with a piece of technology that is, yes, the, the technology is the product, but that's the enabler. It's ultimately about the people, the impact it has on the business. One thing I was interested to um just to raise with you and get your opinion on is, so quite often the person in a tech company that has the depth of knowledge to be that thought leader on what, what impact the technology has is the CTO, who is quite often an introverted character and not necessarily someone who would want to be in front of press or have a public voice. So what would your advice be to those marketing directors who are out there trying to influence their board to say, do you know what, Mr. or Mrs. CTO, we really need your input and your insight here. Well, how do they approach that? Really good question. And we obviously get that all the time because we're working with tech companies. Um, and, and often it wouldn't just be the CTOs, often it's the founder, actually the CEO, you know, tech, absolute tech genius, um, really creating something completely new that hasn't been done before. Um, and they are most comfortable in data around your kind of typically blue data type people. So when you ask them to go out and start pushing their opinions out into the media and out into the wider world, they're often just very uncomfortable. They don't necessarily do public speaking. I mean, this is not across the board. Obviously, you get some amazing technical um, geniuses that are also really happy to talk about it. But, you know, in quite a lot of cases, they, they just aren't. So um, there's sort of a couple of ways that more than a couple of ways, but the, the, the two kind of ways that we can talk about today are firstly, um, your kind of CTOs, data led introvert people, they like to control their message. So their greatest fear is to lose control and to have something pushed out either, you know, via marketing channels or in the media that they just wouldn't approve of and is off message. So actually getting them to um, write everything down, you know, in terms of actually writing the story for them so that they can approve it and really think about it and reflect on it is, is a really good way of doing that. So that kind of reflection time is, is, is really important for them. They need to go away. They need to really think about what has been written and to make sure they're 100% sure it's on message. And normally that would be through um, either an interview 
Although again, you know, even with that, they prefer to write it down. So it's working with them to gain that information in the best possible way for them and then to push it back out to them so that they can understand the process. They understand the sign off and approvals process that they will go through. They will often ask other people to actually um, look at that content as well, because they themselves will be, you know, I just want to get a second opinion on whether or not I'm actually representing the business and the tone um, in the right way. That normally gives them that confidence. So it's really just the confidence if they haven't done it before to know that it's a very, um, it, it's a very well-trodden road. It's going to be a very safe way of actually getting um, opinions out. So that's one way we do it. And actually prior to that, Quite often, if they can see other people doing it, that will, again, give them confidence that everything is written, it is approved in advance. So getting somebody that's perhaps more confident that's done it before, so like the, the CEO, um, CMO to put something together. So the process is a little bit more fluent for them, um, will also help give them that confidence that it's not just going to be taken out of their hands and they're not going to lose control. So those are two ways that, again, that's very tried and tested. Um, also asking them what they would prefer to do. So they just sometimes just want to talk through their anxieties around this it's never framed in anxieties it's mm, I don't want you going off and taking what mm. I'm doing and then just pushing it out uh, so so they can see the framework and they can see how it will be used and they can air their objections and their concerns really does help them and you know in the end we've worked with you know we work with so many kind of introverted tech people and they will be coming back again and again and again to the agency to work with us because they just we're such a trusted ally of them of theirs um you know once you win them over you win them for life kind of thing so um yeah, yeah it's it, it's about trading carefully and, and finding out where their where their comfort zone is and that's really interesting as well to learn that actually overcoming some of the challenges of engaging with that audience can be down to a process just nail the right process if you're the one in charge of the marketing bake in enough time in your plan to get those approvals beforehand make sure that everybody is comfortable earn the trust and then you get the ability to move forward with perhaps more and more engagement which is which is great okay so from an audience perspective um press are looking for something original something authentic and i think thinking through uh, as you would with any marketing PR work, what the impact is, the people impact of the technology, not the technology itself. So super interesting. Um, okay, looking then at our kind of section, phase two, section two, content. So we know who your audience are, you've got them in mind when you're creating stuff. Um, mm -hmm. Content is king, marketing, anybody working in this arena absolutely knows that, but we also know there's loads of really dry, boring and crap, frankly, content that's out there. So how do we make sure that those of us who are running tech companies are not creating the bad content, but they're creating the really, really good content? What does it take? I, I suppose I know there's a bit of a history um, from a PR perspective as to the role that content has played. But like, mm -hmm. could you give us just where was it? Where is it now? And what do people need to think about when they're looking at, OK, I put someone in my team in charge of my content calendar. How can mm -hmm. they... What do they need to think about when they're framing that? Yeah. Again, great question. So, yes, content is absolutely king now. That's not always been the case. I mean, in PR, um, you know, when I first got into PR, which was about 13 years ago, data analysts before that, um, it was very much created by journalists. They would do interviews um, and they would spend like a week putting together a piece. And it was, you know, all lovely, exactly what journalists were supposed to be doing. But now... 
that their role has changed dramatically and they're not able to necessarily put a lot of that long form content together, which is hence where the PR comes in, because we can enable the client to uh, really articulate their kind of offering, which is, is the role that would have been done before. And of course, you know, now where everything is online, a lot of publications are online, which really that change didn't happen till uh, they actually happened in the last recession. So 2008, 2009, lots of publications went online. So it's only 12 years ago. It's not that long ago, really. Journalist pressure was a lot greater. They had to come up with a lot more stories. So that's the kind of the history of it. So so as agencies, you know, as marketing agencies and, and PR agencies, communication agencies, really the role's fallen to us to come up with the content. So it's how do you get that, that that USP, that editorial USP from a client. What's their editorial IP? How do you actually how do you actually gain that? So the way I talk about it with with clients is really to look at what's what's what is making them, what's keeping them in business, what's what that's their differentiator. So if you look across the their their, their competitive set, what are they doing differently from their competitors? What are clients telling them? And and I sort of we try and put put clients at ease when we get this information from them so it's like even having a chat over a pint in a pub glass of wine you know tell us about the business what kind of makes it interesting and actually people don't realize the depth to which they have this expertise and you know even what's annoying you in the press what have you got an opinion on sort of what's you know did you read the article last week what's your thoughts on that and they always have an opinion and 99 out of 99 times out of 100 they're really really interesting opinions um, that they perhaps think you know a lot of as I said as we talked about you know a lot of these tech people are quite introverts so they wouldn't necessarily voice their opinions publicly but they may talk to a client a colleague about this or even a client so it's getting the encapsulating those micro conversations and actually escalating them into bigger thought leadership pieces because that's really what thought leadership is thought leadership is an opinion uh, it's your opinion and therefore you're entitled to think really what you like about what's happening within the industry so it could be something that um, a, a, you know, it's happening in the industry that's going to affect something going forward in the future. And already, you know, you as the client can think that that's really going to be a problem further down the line in a couple of years time. And the industry needs to know about what this potential problem is. And again, that comes back to the education piece. So it's about really circling that in, looking at the status quo, maybe what has happened in the past couple of years, and then looking to see what um, the effect is going to be for the wider industry as a whole. Yeah. Okay. So I, I, something that I think is interesting based on that is because I, I think certain when you're when you're doing your marketing, your PR planning, there would be a tendency or could be a tendency for somebody to think, OK, I'm going to do, um, you know, an extended PR campaign. We're going to need to create mm -hmm. content for that. And then we're going to need to create content for our marketing. And actually, mm -hmm. my perspective is that that very process that you go through to draw out those messages, to understand the opinion, that is absolute gold dust for everything that you would do across the marketing spectrum. Mm -hmm. The thing that I would add is that what's of interest to um, to your own, uh, I guess, directly to your own audience would be the addition of more emphasis on your opinion, but also with your story as a business, with who you are, what's your journey, being open, honest about where you've come from, where you're trying to go to, um, because that's the important thing for us in terms of winning hearts and minds. So mm -hmm. I think recognising that there are slight differences between when it's kind of a journalistic channel or route versus your own marketing channels, your own organic social and posting on your own website. Mm -hmm. But actually, the brilliant thing is that core content, the nuggets of information 
those can be used across both and just taken and atomized and reused, repurposed. You know, and it's so much quicker to create a blog to put on your website from something that you've already got than coming up with it from scratch, right? So actually, yeah. kind of brings me on to the next, um, the next and the third section about leverage, which is that I don't think that in coming up with this insight, it's not doing things three times over. It's actually mm-hmm. doing it once really well and then leveraging that across all of your different channels and with your different mm-hmm. partners and with your mm-hmm. own team internally. Yes, absolutely. And and to add to that, editorial tends to be the hardest because you've it earned media. So you've got to convince a journalist that actually what you have to say is relevant and interesting versus owned media where you're putting maybe a blog on your website. Um, so in terms of placements, that can be tricky because you you know it you're actually abiding by their their guidelines so they will say you know journalists will typically have they're not published guidelines but you know you can't be promotional you can't talk about the product necessarily you can't name check your business you yeah you can't be promotional really in any way but talking about the problems so to your point you know taking that and turning it round and making it a little bit more promotional is um is actually the same side it's a different side of the same coin essentially so you're absolutely right you know content plans should not be different from communications and pr they all sit under the same kind of heading and yeah. you can rewrap and reutilize this content in so many different ways yeah. um, working with the right partners to be able to do that absolutely yeah exactly okay so um that's kind of how you leverage content multiple times within your team and your plan it would be great to kind of look at leverage from a perspective of who else is out there so we've talked about press we've talked about owned channels you know you can obviously run your paid paid campaigns as well but there's two other things on my mind that I think we need to address as well to go full circle if someone's there building out their their marketing plan for how do I extend my reach and get my brand out there as fast and authentically as possible and those I think are are influencers and analysts how do you see those what role do you see them playing each I know they're they're separate yeah so we see um, we see them very much in the same way that we would see journalists so these are individuals that we have that that we need to actually engage with Um, we need to inform them about um, the the thought leadership that we can talk about potentially Um, so you know that's about raising profiles with uh, raising the profile of the business with both of those um, key contacts so your influencers and your your analysts so taking first of all analysts you know they are increasingly important they have got such unbelievable leverage they're so well looked upon I think in the UK we're 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 really beginning to realize just how important they are. I think the US is slightly ahead of the curve on that. They've had analyst relations in their media plans for, for quite a long time. Um, and the UK has been uh, you know, been doing it for sort of a few years, but but it's, it's starting to actually be really, really recognized as an important channel. Um, so these, these analysts, they're working typically in emerging tech space. So they want to know, they need to know what's coming up. Um, in terms of the new tech, the new way of actually operating, because what they're often doing is linking the end purchases of a lot of these technology companies with the tech. Um, so for technology, you know, companies say it's a series A or series B round. So they're starting to 
you're starting to see the technology bubbling up there's a few competitors six or seven competitors really importantly you start getting on the map of the analysts because the analysts may not even be aware of what you're doing so it's typically going in having a you know sending them background information doing a briefing meeting just like you would do with a journalist so they can understand where the technology actually sits within the whole of the kind of infrastructure of technology in general and what they'll often do is write about your business so you get some great write-ups um you know Forrester we have Forrester briefings and they will often include us in reports without actually paying um Gartner's the same um if you're doing that too often obviously that becomes a pay-to-play um track but it's great at getting the business on um on the landscape and for for bigger businesses you know your oracles or or so on that are actually looking to potentially buy these really exciting upcoming businesses you know getting onto their map as well and Mm -hmm. for 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 a lot of the analyst businesses they're looking for new channels of revenue so they're looking for for new areas that they can actually start researching so you know it's, it's it's a really exciting way of actually really increasing your reputation um when it comes to influencers um there are lots of influences in the tech space. Um, it takes a little bit of research to actually find out who they are. Um, again, it's taking the same kind of channel, um, talking to them, you know, engaging them. They are often in a in a sort of pay to play capacity. Will often get involved in your business as well. So hence, you know, with the with the marketing um, and 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 what C Blue does, you know, it would often be kind of getting them involved in events. Um, they will often um, actually engage with written content and write on your behalf, and and you automatically kind of get that engagement there as well. So it will be the earned and the, the pay to play that they would actually get in, involved in, um, and. You know, they are really critical because they're often having very senior conversations and they they want to know. Again, they want to know the movers and shakers within the industry. So it's important, again, that you get them on board really early on because your competitors will be doing exactly that if you don't get a move on and uh, and start influencing them early on. Mm. So what's really interesting, I think, is that we get some businesses come to us and want to look at a part of this plan. So let's say, you know, I want to drive brand awareness, but I want to do it in this very specific way. And I think I'm pretty sure you would agree with me that if you're if you're a brand that genuinely wants to take a leap. So from wherever your starting point is, but you want to become either a household name or top of your sector, top of your Mm -hmm. space. Really, the answer to audience content and leverage is that it it has to be an integrated plan. It, It integrates across all of these. Marketing is never communications is never a single channel, is it? It's engaging multiple audiences at the right point in time and I think the thing for people to remember is that if you if you can plan to run this as an integrated piece you actually save yourself time and budget by being able to leverage and utilize that insight the content that you're creating and writing for PR Mm -hmm. is utilized for your own um, assets your own paid media into your other campaigns if you do it all piecemeal and separately it ends up actually overall costing you more and limiting, I think, the impact that you can potentially have. I totally agree. And it, it, you actually get mixed messages as well. So planning it all up front saves you so much hassle. Um, and that's where we see clients really successfully executing these integrated campaigns is when there is that pre-planning and they invite all of their partners in. So their marketing partners, their PR and communication partners in. We all get around the table. It's best practice. You know, we look at a, a three to 12 month plan where it's all plumbed in and all of the different parties know what their personal activities are. You know, we have great brainstorms where we come up with these concepts. And um, it's really exciting to work in those 
those kinds of environments and the clients really, really benefit. And it's, you know, it might be top of funnel, but it really does affect the bottom funnel activity and lead generation as a result. So, yeah. Well, Victoria, thank you so much. I think we've run out of time for today. But yeah, thank you for your insight. It's been wonderful chatting to you. Pleasure. Thanks so much, Ellen.